and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Jesus came to them, but hid his identity. And he said unto them in verse 17, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And then in verses 18 through 24, Cleophas is the one of the two disciples that is named in our text. Cleophas begins to explain why they're sad and explain what had just happened three days earlier and explain that they had been to the tomb. Some of the ladies went to the tomb that day and found that Jesus wasn't there. And then a couple others went there and said, hey, he really ain't here. Verse number 25, in verse number 25, Jesus said, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And in these texts, I love that. I love that verse right there. Good night. But in all the next few verses, you'll see them, them come to Emmaus. They invite him to supper. He breaks the bread. And they, bam, their eyes are open. They see it's Jesus and he vanishes. Then they go back to Jerusalem in verse 35. And they told what things were done in the way. And how he was known of them in breaking of bread. That's all I'll read for this morning just for sake of time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I sure do thank you for being good to us. Thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to stand and open your book this morning and preach what your word is this morning. I thank you, God, that it's holy, it's pure, and it's inspired that we hold in our hands this morning. Lord, I pray that you give us unction of the Holy Ghost. God, fill us with your power. That Brother Tim was talking about in Sunday school. Lord, we ask, Lord, for the power that is way above us. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here. In your precious and holy name, we do pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Well, I sure do love my Bible. I tell you what, I love it. Uh, I love every book. Every, I'm telling you what, your Bible is amazing. I hope you know what you've got when you hold this in your hand. If you ever studied out how we got our King James Bible, you need to study it out because it's amazing. Every book is life-changing. Every chapter is life-changing. Every verse that you read in this Bible is applicable for you and your family. And I love them all, but there's some passages that, and I hope you don't get offended when I say this, there's some passages I just that are almost my favorite. And uh, I, love, I love them all, but there's some of them that's almost my favorite. And a few of them, can I just give them to you? I, one of my favorites is Hosea and Gomer. I love that story. Good night. I, I, I love the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. I love the story of... I love the story of Jonah. That's a good one. I love the story of David and Goliath in the Valley of Elah. But if I had to pick my favorites in that short list, Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus would be one of my favorites. And in our text, we see two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Cleophas was one of them because he's mentioned... But I believe if you go to John chapter number 19, you're going to find that Mary, the wife of Cleophas, was at the cross. Just makes good sense in my mind that... Cleophas was walking to Emmaus with his wife. That's who I think was with him. I think Mary was there. And we find them walking away from where Calvary had taken place, from where the crime of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ had just taken place, and they are walking away seven miles. That's not a short trip on your feet. Seven, not for me. (laughs) I'm out of shape. But seven miles away from where Jerusalem is. If you go to the end of the chapter number 24, you're going to see Jesus tell them while he shows up. He's going to tell them, Terry, you're still in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. You know what I think Jesus' plan was for these disciples? Stay in Jerusalem. 
They had no business going to Emmaus. Do you know what we find in our text? We find two disciples walking away from Calvary. That's what I want to preach on this morning. Walking away from Calvary. In our text, we find the very first Easter Sunday. And the very first Easter Sunday was not celebrated like we do ours today. It was not a day of joy. It was not a day of happiness. It was a day of sadness for most of the followers of Christ. It was a day of supreme sorrow. Why? Jesus had just gotten up. Why was it a day of sorrow if Jesus had gotten up and that the Redeemer's alive? I don't really, I couldn't really give you a clear answer on it, but I got you a good idea. I don't know if it was maybe they didn't believe he would get up. In my opinion, I believe that they thought he never would die. That's why I think they were still in a state of shock of what had happened, even though Jesus had told them exactly what was going to take place. Jesus told them specifically the events that were going to transpire, but they're, I just said like, yes, they had a lack of faith because they had apparently not been listening to what Jesus had told them just days prior. And I promise I'm going somewhere. I hope you'll stay with me. In verse number 17, we see what I want to show you first. The Bible says, and he said unto them, what commander of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk? Watch this. And are sad. First of all, in our text, we find some heartbroken saints. Some heartbroken saints. This couple were journeying to Emmaus and they talked together. And I say, uh, oh, what a discussion. Oh, how much they had to discuss on that seven-mile journey. I'm sure they began to discuss the treachery of Judas and his suicide. I'm sure that they probably talked about the plots and the guilt of the Sanhedrin. I'm sure they probably talked about the weakness of Herod or the weakness of Pilate. Probably they talked about the terrible crime that was Calvary. I'm sure they're probably talking about now the rumor that we hear today that Jesus is alive and that that we have the sure fact that the tomb is not, it's empty. In verses 18 through 20, Cleophas explains to this stranger as to who he was to them. They couldn't see he was Jesus. He explains his reason for sorrow, recounting the details of Calvary just three days ago. He could not believe that the stranger had not known and heard about what had happened at Calvary. How could you not know this, he thought to himself. In verse number 21, he shared his hopes about Christ being the Messiah. And he mentioned the crucifixion. It only took him place three days prior. In verse 22, he is, he's expressing his astonishment at the report of the women who were, went to the grave early that morning only to find the tomb empty, saying they had seen angels that informed them that the Lord had risen from the grave. Others, they said, went to the sea, the tomb for themselves, and sure enough, it was empty. Verse number 21, the, that Cliffus says this, we had trusted, <laughs> but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. You know what? How hard it must have been for Jesus Christ to hear the words of his beloved follower. We trust it. It's almost as Cleophas is saying, we put our faith in this man. We trusted him and he's gone. We're all alone. We don't know where he is. Oh, how the heart of Christ must have burned with it. Man, I tell you what, I really feel some preach coming. How how the heart of Christ must have burned within him 
to hear Cleophas with such doubt in his mouth and doubt in his heart that he said, we trusted this man and he's nowhere to be found. (laughs) But Jesus didn't answer him at that moment. That was verse 21. Jesus didn't have a word to say. What, you don't talk about the restraint of Jesus Christ not to come back and lash out at Cleophas. After that doubt coming out of his mouth, the Lord didn't reply. They had a problem. Cleophas and Mary had a problem. But I'll say this, the root of their problem was not their sadness. The root of their problem was not had, what had just transpired at Calvary. The root of their problem was not Calvary. The root problem of their sadness was a lack of faith. That was their problem. They had unbelief in their heart. You say, well, preacher, you ought to give them a break. Calvary had just happened. No, I can't give them a break. I'm not, hang on, time out. I'm not saying I'd have been any better. <laughs> but I can't give them a break. You say, well, why? Because what they have done is they have let their sadness overtake them. They have let their sorrow overtake them and let their sadness and sorrow and, and, and grief drive them down a road that they got no business being on. Oh, man. They got no business being on the road to a mess. But their sorrow has overtaken them. Their fear has overtaken Ain't that where we're living today? Their fear has started controlling them instead of their faith. You say, preacher, is it it wrong to be sad? Is it wrong to be afraid? No. It's not wrong to be sad. It's not wrong to be afraid. But it is wrong when your faith is not as strong as your fear. That's where it becomes wrong. You know what I believe? I believe your faith should be stronger than your sorrow. Your faith should be stronger than your sadness. Your faith should be stronger than your fear. These these two disciples should have never been to Emmaus. They should have stayed right at Calvary, right where Jerusalem was. But they have let what has happened to them dictate their actions and driving them down a road. They got no business being on. And I'm telling you what this morning... When you let your faith get in a, you get your you let your faith get in a place where uh, it's not in the right spot, you're going to wake up one day, you're going to be on the wrong road, you're going to be going down a road you got no business going down. When you put your faith in the wrong things, when you ain't got your faith where it needs to be in this life, you will wake up one day and you're going to be on the road to a mess. You're going to be walking away from where God wants you to be. I've been there. It ain't, it ain't easy either to come back. I'll tell you one thing, though. It was real easy. All of a sudden, boom, I came to myself like that son over in Luke chapter 15, came to himself, and guess what? I've realized I've not had my heart right. I've not had where my faith's supposed to be. And I've come to myself, and boom, I find myself seven miles away from Calvary. Good night. I've been there. That's where these felt, this, this, this man and wife is. And I'm telling you what, we need to make sure this morning that our faith is in the right place. I see a heartbroken, the heartbroken saints. Look at verse 15. We see the hidden Savior. The Bible says in verse 15, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself 
drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Their eyes were holding. Just simply saying it. They didn't know it was him. I don't know if it was the Lord showed up and in a different body or how it happened. All I know is when he showed up on that road to Emmaus, they had no clue that it was Jesus Christ standing in front of them. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty inquisitive. I need to understand. I need to understand why things happen. I guess that's just, I don't know if that's a man thing or if it's just a person thing. But I, 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 Brother Ricky, I need to know why sometimes. So I got to thinking, why did Jesus conceal his identity to, to these disciples? I mean, let's think about it. Why would Jesus show up and not let them know who he was? That didn't make sense to me when I read that. So I began to study. I, but Tim, I, told, I was talking a second ago, the Bible is alive. I love the Bible. Good night. It, this is where it's at, y'all. This will blow your mind every time you open it. It did for me this week. You know what? I got to studying this. Why would Jesus conceal? Well, I, I, the reason Jesus concealed his identity when I got to thinking about it was this. Jesus wanted to teach them some important truths from the scripture. But, and that's the truth. But it was deep. It's deeper than that. Man, I hope you stay with me. See, they were slow to believe. And, and, and verse number 25, Jesus offers a rebuke to them. You know what he said? He said, oh, fools and slow of heart. And when we hear the word fools, a lot of times we'll go to Matthew chapter 5 where, it's, where it talks about uh, uh, whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. But that's a different word, fool. Well, that's, you hear a lot of people say, oh, you ain't supposed to say fool. You, fool saying the word fool send you to hell. I've heard a lot of people say that, and that's not necessarily true. It's, that's not what that verse in Matthew 5 is talking about. But that word fool, you know what it means? It's the Greek word. Let me give it to you. It's the Greek word moros. Now, like this. It's where we get our English word moron. Yeah, that's where we get it from. Moros. And you know what that word moros means? It means a morally worthless scoundrel. That's what Matthew 5 means. But that's pretty, <laughs> that seemed pretty harsh if that's what Jesus said to these disciples, but that's not what he said. When he said the word fool here in our Bible, it's the Greek word anaotis, meaning this, one who is unwise or one who lacks understanding. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hallelujah. It ain't talking about somebody that's a worthless scoundrel, although sometimes I feel that way. Nobody said amen. I'm so glad y'all didn't say amen to that. Hallelujah. Do you know what? I was, I was waiting on Bree to just say one loud amen back here. Do you know what? It meant one who's lacking understanding. Oh, fools. Oh, you unwise man. You don't understand, do you? Let me just give you some understanding. That's what Jesus did. And so he went to the scriptures <laughs> and began to give understanding to these disciples that did not understand what was happening. Well, hallelujah. But let me ask you a question. Why did Christ conceal himself? Couldn't he have expounded the scriptures while his identity being out in the open? Sure. Absolutely. He did it for many years while on earth. So why did he? <laughs> let me just give you this. Had Christ revealed himself on the road to Emmaus, had he showed up in his earthly body, and said, hey, y'all, it's me. I'm alive. It's me. 
Go back to Jerusalem where you're supposed to be at. Those disciples would not have hesitated. Immediately they would have said, yes, sir, jump up and down all the 6.89 miles back to Jerusalem. That's what they would have done. But their intimate difficulties would have remained. See, Jesus, if he had showed up in his body, he would have healed their eyes, but their souls would have still been in danger. Good night. I hope y'all are grabbing a hold of this. Jesus didn't want to just help them for a little bit. Jesus didn't want to just give them a little bit of help, Brother Ricky. Jesus wanted to give them something that they could hold on to, uh, that no matter if he was there, if he was gone, uh, that they could hold on to the fact that the Scriptures, the Scriptures is what gives understanding. Oh, yes. And so he concealed himself. He concealed himself. How wise is our Savior. He's a genius. His methods are always right. His ways are always perfect. His thoughts are always better than ours. See, if he had revealed himself deep down in Cliffus and Mary's heart, they always would ask the question, but God, why did you, why did you have to crucify Jesus? God, why did you have to do that? There always would have been something in the back of their mind saying, why? They wouldn't have understood what, what really took place at Calvary. Jesus opened up the Bible. He opened up the Scriptures. And He began understanding. You see, Jesus could have showed up in the incarnate Word that day. John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse number 14 said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's God. That's Jesus. That's the Word. He's the incarnate Word. And Jesus could have employed the incarnate word that day on the road to Emmaus. <laughs> and it would have worked. But you know what he employed? He didn't employ the incarnate word. He employed the inspired word. Uh, uh, I hope y'all are listening to this. He didn't go to them and say, hey, look, it's me, it's Jesus. No, he went right there. That's where he went. You know what? That gives me hope this morning. Because guess what? Jesus ain't here on earth right now in his earthly body. Y'all know that, right? Okay. You say, but I had a dream last night. He went, no, you ate too much pepperoni pizza before you went to sleep. Jesus ain't here right now in his earthly body. We ain't got the incarnate word. We'll get to see him one day. But right now in the nasty now and now, we don't have the incarnate word. Oh, but I do have the inspired word. Yes, I do. Hallelujah. I do have the inspired word. And even in my darkest night, even when I don't understand, well, hallelujah, even when I don't understand what's going on, Jesus, just like he did on the road to Emmaus, he started at the beginning and he expounded in all the scripture concerning the things himself. You know why? Because he wants you to know today that you have every, oh, good night. You have everything you need you have everything you need. I said, you have everything you need. <laughs> well, hallelujah. You have everything. Everything you need right there. Every problem you face, every situation you go through, every illness that comes your way, every ailment you may face, the cure is right there. Oh, yes, it is. Right there is the cure. Right there is the cure. Yes, hallelujah. 
Well, man, well, it's feeling real good up here. I'll be honest with you. That's the cure. That's where our help lies. That's where my hope is. It ain't in me. I'm worthless. I am a worthless scoundrel. But you know what? That's where my hope is. You know what? There's some heartbroken saints in that text. There's a hidden Savior. But there sure is help for the scattered. Jesus Jesus began to help them. The Bible talks about Matthew and in the book of Mark. Says that that they're going to smite the shepherd. And that the sheep will be scattered. That's the Bible. That's what it says in Matthew and Mark. And that's exactly what takes place here. They had, the shepherd had, uh, had been killed on Calvary. And, and now the, 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 the sheep, the disciples, oh, Cleophas and Mary are scattered. They're wayward. They're walked away. Why? Why do they walk away? I don't know. I don't really have a good answer for you. Why did they walk away from Calvary? Why did they walk away from the people of God? When the hard times hit, when the midnight came in their life, why did they walk away? Can I ask the same question for our day? I wish somebody would answer this question. When the hard times come, why does people walk away from the things of God? When the heartaches come, why do people get farther away from God? I ain't got an answer. I wish I had one. Why do we walk farther away from Calvary? Why do we get farther away from Jesus? Friend, when hard times hit your life, you need to run towards Calvary. You need to run towards the Word of God. You need to go towards the things of God. Not away from them. Not away from them. They walked away. I don't know why they did. Whatever the reason for walking toward Emmaus, I don't know. One thing I do know, (laughs) one thing I do know is that Jesus went to where they were. <laughs> he didn't just leave them in their, in their own stupidity. He went to where they were to give them some understanding. He went to where they were to give them some encouragement. I got to thinking about this and studying this out not too long ago. I looked at that word Emmaus. I like studying words. So I looked up the word Emmaus. It's the Hebrew word by Michael. It's the Hebrew word Dalbach. I couldn't believe what I what I read about this word. I'm talking about Jesus didn't leave them in their wrong doings. He went after them. You know what the word Emmaus means? It's the Hebrew word dawback. And it means this. To catch by pursuit. (laughs) I'm going to say that one more time. (laughs) The word Emmaus is the word dawback. And it means to catch by pursuit. I'll be honest with you. There's been days in my life where I have wandered away. I have walked away. But every time, every time that I, that I found myself walking away from the things of God, I'm not sure I'm glad I'm saved. Every time I walked away from what God had planned in my life. I'm glad there was somebody that come after me and caught me by pursuit and brought me back to where I'm supposed to be. Hallelujah. Catch by pursuit. Maybe you've always stayed right where you're supposed to be. I, I want you to sign my Bible after church if you have. But I have it. There's been days where I've walked away. But I'm glad there's never been a time where I walked away, that Jesus 
didn't come to where I was and said, hey boy, don't you think you need to come back over here? Don't you think you need to get back where you're supposed to be? Hallelujah, I'm glad I'm a child of God. I'm glad he, he chastens us. Chasing and hand to God, think it's something to be thankful for, y'all. I'm glad anytime I need help, right here it is. Every word is true, every word is pure, every word will help you. It's the scriptures that gives us wisdom, it's the scriptures that gives us understanding, it's the scriptures that gives us clarity. It gives us clarity. In a world of confusion, we need to go somewhere that'll give us clarity. It's the scriptures. (laughs) Yes, it is. I don't care where you turn. There's one theme. It's Jesus. From beginning to end. From Genesis to Revelations. From the Revelation, we say it right. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You say, I don't know about all that. I ain't got time to prove it to you. I can. I got it right there if you want me to prove it to you. Every book's got Jesus in it. But you know what? You open up your Bible, start in Genesis, and you're going to see uh, the foreshadows of Christ are found in the, in the historical books of Genesis to Esther. The feelings are expressed of Christ. The feelings of Christ are expressed in the poetical books. That's the books of Job through Song of Solomon. The foretellings of Christ are found in the prophetical books. That's Isaiah through Malachi. The facts of the Lord's ministry are found in Matthew through John. The followers of the Lord's ministry are found in the book of Acts. The fruits of following Christ are found in the epistles, Romans through Jude. And I'll say the future of Christ is found in the book of the Revelation. I don't care where you turn, where you turn, it's all about Jesus. Look at verse 27 real fast. Luke 24, verse 37. The Bible says this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I want you to listen to that. In all the scriptures. You know, I was reading this the other day and I thought of this. He didn't say this. He didn't say and expound unto them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Because that would meant different. I ain't got time to explain all that. But he didn't say that. He didn't say, all, he didn't say he expounded to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. He said he expounded them all the scriptures. <laughs> and all the scriptures, con- the things concerning himself. You know what that means? I don't know how he did it. But look right here. That right there is the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ. That part right there. There's Matthew. That part right there. That's the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, where's on? That's the Bible Jesus had. Right there. Jesus didn't have this on earth. That's good. You need to read it. But he only had that. I'm surprised 20 things didn't fly in my Bible when I did that right there. But you know what? He only had that. He didn't have that. <laughs> I hear people say throw out the Old Testament. They're crazy. They've lost their mind. That's the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Bible he had. That's the Bible he used. 
You know what he did on the road to Emmaus? It's seven miles. Healthy man could walk it about, well, healthy man could walk about an hour. I ain't that man. Do you know what? I say at least took them two hours. I mean, they weren't trying to exercise. They were just walking in sadness too. Their steps were probably slow. There's a song about that. Do you know what? About two hours worth. That's probably the greatest sermon ever preached. <laughs> and only three people heard it. Ain't that a shame? I sure wish I could have been there and heard Jesus. I don't know how he did it, Brother Timothy. I don't know how he did it. I wish I could have been there and heard it, though. <laughs> I wish I could try to preach it to you. I ain't going to. You see, preacher, what are you trying to talk about? What are you trying to help us here? I'm glad... <laughs> But it feels like there is no hope. Because that's where Cleophas and Mary was. They were in the darkest of days. Jesus has just been crucified. Don't talk about a world flipping upside down. That's what the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were living through right then. They didn't know that Jesus had gotten up yet. All they know is that their Messiah, their Savior, their, their Lord had been crucified. And their world will flip upside down. And they couldn't, oh man, mm, they couldn't find Jesus. Well, hallelujah. You know what? There's been days in my life where it felt like I didn't know where Jesus was. Felt like I couldn't find Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Felt like it was so dark I couldn't have no hope. But friend, it was in my darkest day. When I didn't know where Jesus was, that's where he showed up and said, hey, you remember Moses, don't you? Don't you remember when the Israelites had been in bondage for 400 years and I brought them out? That was me. Hey, what about old Elijah? He got fed by the ravens and my little barrel that wouldn't go empty. That was me. Hey, don't you remember Jonah? Jonah got swallowed by a whale, died. I brought him back to life. That was me. Hey, don't you remember old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got thrown in a fiery furnace. They didn't have no hope. It, it was so dark in there, they couldn't see. But I showed up with them. <laughs> don't you remember old Noah? Preached for 120 years. Didn't have nobody saved but his family. But he made it. Yeah. <laughs> That was me. You know what? It's in those moments that Jesus shows up in my heart and said, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, I've got a pretty good track record. And it's in that moment that the peace of God floods my soul. You know what I think? It's going to be all right. I said, it's going to be all right because he's the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. Yes, it is. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. Brother Abel's going to come to the piano and play softly. Do you know what I think? I don't know. I mean, I say thank. You know what I know? <laughs> I know there's times in your life, because you're just a person like I am, when I can't find Jesus, 
I'm sure glad when I don't know where he is, he always knows where I am. And I'm sure glad when I don't know what's going to happen, he's already seen tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure glad when I don't have peace, he's the one that can say, peace be still. And the water sinks. I'm glad no matter where I am, no matter what I go through, I'm glad I've got to help. I'm glad I got help. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I've tried to give you what was on my heart this morning. Oh, we find ourselves a place to pray this morning. You may be going through a hard time. And I tell you that no matter what you're facing, that there's hope and that there's help for us in the precious King James Bible. Just give, him, give it to him this morning. I told you a second ago, he's got a real good track record. Come give it to God this morning. Some are coming. Others are moving. Come find yourself to place of pray this morning. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm sure glad Jesus is everything I need. You may be walking away 